to another episode of Not Your Average Operator with me, Paul Mellon McFadden. Episode 64. How are you all doing out there in podcast land? I'm joined by my usual two teammates. Uh, we've got Mike and Raph. And we're joined again by Tony Senior. So I'm going to say hello to you first, Tony. How are you going, mate? Hello, Paul. How are you? I'm, I'm terrific. How's your week been? Great. You know, uh, Got a few things accomplished. Um, weather's not really the best right now. We're, you know, we have a little bit of a cold spell, but we'll make do. We'll make do. Looking forward to spending some time with you guys today. Right, I've been looking forward to talking to you all week. I listened to the uh, previous episode again this morning, and I just, just some great, great quotes and funny as well. Hey, Raph, how you doing there, brother? What's going down? This one's for Mike. Uh, I'm good, mate. Um, I am, uh, <laughs> dude, I, sorry, I can't, I can't even hold my face. Um, dude, I'm solid. Uh, just same old, same old running around with the bean. Uh, went on a date night with the, my smoke shovel wife last night, which is pretty fun. Um, I woke up a little hungover this morning, which is crazy. Cause I don't really, I had two drinks. It's not like I had a lot, but I haven't really, <laughs> I haven't touched the bottle in a while, so I think that's probably why. Um, and I'm almost wrapping up this <clears throat> project that I've had for, shoot, almost three three weeks. It's, I'm building a retaining wall on the side of the house because we uh, built a walkway that attaches to this uh, deck that we have. And anyways, it's been, uh, it's been fun. It's been frustrating, but I'm glad that it's, it's almost over. And it, it's, it's really not trying to toot my own horn, but, you know, toot, toot. It looks really good. And yeah, no good. So were you on the yeah. agave juice last night? Is that where you went wrong? Is that why you were? I was no, I was drink. No, dude, I was drinking what your people of uh, what what your people drink, whiskey, the distilled brown stuff. Lovely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, was, it was so good though. We yeah, that's this uh, chain in this area. I don't know if they're big in the United States. It's called the um, what the hell is it called? That's how drunk I was. Uh, You're I telling remember. the story, we were, buddy. Yeah, yeah. It was somewhere you fancy. You didn't end up in TJ, did you? You went in Tijuana. <laughs> <laughs> no. no uh well so you had a big you had a well not a big night but you woke up with a hangover just for the uh, north american listeners we're recording this on um saturday afternoon and it's been the australian rules football grand final today so it's like the australian equivalent of the super bowl and i was lucky enough to be invited to the australian embassy here with my wife and uh some mates and we got to stand around and have a few frosty ones while watching the Mighty Melbourne Demons get up for the first time in oh, since 64. What's that, 57 years? So Melbourne, my hometown, uh, they got up, but we've got lots of football teams in my town. I got like, I think there's 10. And it's not my favorite team, but still, any excuse to stand around and yell at a screen, Raph? Did the did the Wallabies not make the cut this year? <laughs> so this is this is Australian rules football versus rugby union. So two different codes. Uh, they've both got ball and they run around it's a bit like lacrosse in NFL. You know, you are on grass. Yeah. I can get how you could be confused. But the Wallabies are playing uh, Argentina later this weekend. So that's the Australian football uh, rugby team versus yeah. the Argentinians. But yeah, yeah, I just, I just, I just like to see you. I, I like to watch you say Wallaby with a straight face. It's actually pretty funny. <laughs> right. And Mike, how you doing, man? 
what's been going down in your neck of the woods? Not too much, and I'm pretty happy about it. <clears throat> if I'm being honest, uh, I have a two-week break of no school and no homework. Right. And I, I, I kind of don't know what to fully do with myself yet, but I'm doing uh, – I got up and worked out this morning and, and had a really nice morning and uh, I'm going to make some uh, food right after we're done here. And just, uh, I think I'm going to go to Bass Pro and do some uh, shopping for fall time stuff and just kind of take it easy, man, to be, well, not take it easy, but just relax and enjoy myself. And, Cause I've been really grinding in the last six months. So uh, I think the word is uh, grateful. I'm just grateful for today. It's 75 and sunny and I'm just honestly really excited for this episode because I've listened to our last one four times this week. Uh, I'm to and from my way to work. And then once uh, when I got home and I was making dinner and one thing that popped out about Tony senior here is there's a quote in the last episode where he was just like, it's good and it's all good. And I don't know what that was about it, man, but it just put me in a great mood every time I heard it at the end. And I was like, I'm listening to this again tomorrow. And I took away such good lessons so anyways uh raf yeah. you want to jump into uh part two yeah for this week yeah absolutely absolutely man uh because we were excited about it and so for the listeners uh that are uh reading along um shout out to christine hopper who uh she texted me about this uh actually she, she was excited that we started reading this book so anyways shout out to you boo um so chapter two We've all read it um, multiple times, and this one is titled The Return of Flint McCulloch. And the, the quick 30-second abridged version of this is he, uh, Stu Weber starts talking about uh, a personality like this, uh, kind of to um, show the parallels in, in manhood and the roles that a man, or it really the, the provider of any home, um, has to take on to have a successful family like nucleus. So, and he, you know, he uses this uh, personality, which is a scout and of a wagon train and how he's talking about how like they're out in the, in the plains and they're traversing in this hostile environment and how it, that wagon train relies so heavily on the vision of that scout, looking ahead, looking for danger, being able to navigate around it. And obviously there's so many tangibles that come with this. I mean, I'm just giving you the 30 second abridgment of this, but um, and we're going to dive into it here in a little bit. But I thought it was a really powerful way to kind of anecdote this because I thought, man, there is no better description of how I see myself for my own family, right? I'm always looking ahead. Where are we at financially? Where are we at spiritually? Where where are we with our relationship? Uh, we Offline, we were talking about communication with Melon's kids. But I mean, that sort of stuff. But not just with kids. I mean, my communication with my friends. Am I Am I talking to my friends enough? Am I reaching out to my friends? You know, that sort of stuff. So I think that that's a role that you can play, not necessarily if you're just married. I think that's important to play just as a person. And I think there's so much that can be extrapolated from this chapter. So anyways, that's my quick 30 second. Yeah, Mike. So I always like to relate our shows to both audiences, right? So we have Tony Seen here, who's not military, and then the three of us who are. So for the listeners that are military, right, Raph mentioned the scout, and I love the I love the relation to this because we can, you know, as members of the military, we're out there, we're doing this type of job. We're in hostile environment. We're, we're scouting for issues, for problems. We're combating, you know, <laughs> whoever the enemy is, whether it's terrorists or whatever. So it, it, the image and the vision of that flows over really well. Um, so 
as you're listening to this episode, really pay attention to that scout piece and the responsibilities and the part of where the scout plays with the wagon, right? So our families and our, our wives and children are in the wagon, but we're ahead of, uh, on the, on the horse doing the scout work and the rough, the, the rough responsibilities. So really pay attention to that and think about how your military service can relate to this conversation. Go ahead, Melon. I just wanted to say at the outset that there's not just roles for scouts, that the people on the wagon, like mum's role in that uh, environment, in that paradigm as described, that is absolutely critical. And it, it he talks, uh, Stu Weber refers to the mother as being that master or, or absolute um, professional in terms of the relationship. She sees the detail. She sees the interpersonal. She manages all that. And the job of the uh, people in the wagon train crossing the, the uh, Americas, which is where this model comes from, it was there was no easy ride for anyone. Everyone was busting their gut from from dusk till dawn. So it's not like the scout is better. It's just that there are different roles, and we match together and we use each person's strengths, and we uh, have a, a sum that is greater than the uh, all the components. Right when we work together, Tony. You know the um, chapter two was amazing. I I I'm ashamed to say I had to look up what Flint McCullough looked like because I'd seen Wagon Train, but that was so many, I mean, you have to understand, uh, he stopped uh, in that role in the early 60s, like pre-65, right? So um, Flint McCullough would be, uh, you know, to, to compare him to folks today, like a Denzel Washington in a action film. You know, other, you, you, you can name, a litany of uh, action heroes in the movies today. The point is Flint was the baddest dude in that wagon train. Not only did he have to be um, extremely well-equipped mentally, physically, uh, uh, cognitively, you know, he had to be sharp. Why? Because everyone's life depended on it. And it's the same thing at home. You know, you you have to make the decisions, which I'm sure the character made, that weren't pleasant at times, but it was for the betterment of the whole group. And to uh, Paul's point, you know, everybody did have such an integral part in that, whether it was the dads, the moms, you know, uh, even the kids had to adhere to. Yeah, you could run, you know, uh, next to the, the the wagon when they were going slow, but you sure as heck better be on board whenever we're moving out. So, um, it, it, heck, it was a stronger community in that moving wagon train than in some of the ones that are stationary today. I mean, it's yeah. interesting, you know, that, while it was, yeah. Yeah, that, that's a great point. And, you know, one of the, I mean, I, this, this chapter, I've never underlined so much in my life, but there's just a couple of things that just like literally jumped out and just seared into my head. And I'm just going to read two. I think the most powerful one, and I think anybody will agree because I think um, there's a lot of truth. I mean, there's absolute truth to this. And he, and he said, uh, we revert to things we can see when in fact, it's the unseen world, the world of the spirit, the world of relationships where we ought to be majoring in our provisions. You know, we're always so focused on trying to attain like, oh, look at this house, look at this car, look at this job status. But it's the unseen that usually unravels us when it's not healthy. Melon. 
There was a great distinction made at the start of the chapter about the word provision, which we all know is about, you know, stockpiling things and getting ready and so on. And Stu Weber breaks that word down into its root part, which is pro, like proactive and vision. So seeing ahead and seeing the thing that isn't here yet, looking into the future and finding what those snags and hiccups and so on are going to be, because this is what the scout is clearly doing in a physical sense. He's finding the passes through the mountains for the wagons. He's finding the water holes to replenish. He's uh, looking for hazards, encounters with bandits, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. And in our own lives, we're, we're trying to look into the future in our own lives to find the path financially, uh, spiritually, physically, et cetera, where we live, all of those things. And, that word provision, I've not seen it defined that way before with that breakout If you are seeing into the future and it's with that clear gaze and understanding of what's coming that you're able to equip yourself in the present moment to execute and to deliver and to you know guide your family on their journey. And I thought that was an excellent definition that he has right at the start. And if I could just add to that, I think it's important to note for anybody who's listening I think that vision and being able to look ahead and I think the level of success that you're going to gain also comes comes with, I should say, it comes due to the fact that you've experienced, you need to like kind of reach into your bag of experiences and use those experiences to try to like look for those hazards, right? Because you don't know what you don't know. So don't beat yourself up if you don't have all the answers. If you don't see something coming at you, well, you might have not experienced that before, right? Because you, it's not something you've learned. So Listen, you're going to look for as many hazards as possible, but sometimes something slips through and you didn't see that coming. So don't, because I thought about that. I was like, you know, I've looked for a lot of hazards and yet I still had a marriage where we almost got divorced a couple of times. You know, I, I still, there's so many failures in my life that I just, either I didn't see them or I didn't better prepare. So ex- I think experience, I guess what I'm alluding to is experience plays a significant role in trying to look for specific hazards. Well, just real Mike. quick at the beginning of the chapter, uh, there's a quote in there, I think that sums it up really well. And it's, is there anything worse than blindness? Oh, yes, <laughs> a person with sight and no vision. And mm-hmm. what Raph, what you're referring to is, you know, the misplace of our vision, uh, not just as men, but as people and materialistic things. And, and we find a false sense of status and security within those materialistic things. But as all of us can agree on, materialistic things will fade they break, they go away, uh, they lose their luster after a bit. And then all you have to fall back on is the most important is where are your relationships? If there's no relationships, there really is no status. There is there really is no security in a physical sense, a mental sense, an emotional sense. And as men, you know, the way Stu Weber explains it, which I, I wholeheartedly agree with, is we're, we're supposed to be the provider. We're not just that, you know, hey, if, if you're a provider, what does that mean? Well, I, I, I bought you a house. I bought you a car. I give you money so you can go out shopping and do whatever you want. No, 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 no. That's not a provider. A provider goes on the levels of character, heart, spirit, integrity, justice, humility. Uh, those are the things that last. And those should be the responsibility of a scout. But Tony, I, I, he keeps jumping. Go ahead. Well, no, no. Uh, um you know, to, to be the scout or to be the head of your family or your, you know, uh, or your relationship, you know, it, it, it takes, as we all know, commitment, right? And uh, Mike just brought up the key parts 
of, uh, of what make up that individual, right? And I, I'm, I think I'm, I'm pretty confident in saying this. I know for a fact that I need to ask for help in a lot of those areas to shore me up, right? Because uh, we can't be all things to all people. People, a lot of times people have unrealistic expectations of us because of maybe past performance, right? Good or bad, right? There's all the, because perception's reality with everything, especially guys, guys are more visual, period, right? And, um, you know, we, we have this thing in our lives called pride, right? Um, you know, alluded to the, how important relationships are, right? And having those relationships come with a price, right? You know, you have to be transparent with each other. You have to be, and if you need help in an area, hopefully one of the relationships that you've uh, sown, right? Are strong enough to where you feel comfortable to say, hey, you know what? I need help in this. I'm guilty of not asking for help when I've needed it. And you know what my friends say? I can repeat it. Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you say something? Now you make them feel bad because they feel that maybe your relationship wasn't that tight, right? You know, we're afraid to show our vulnerability. I'm not, I'm not the Superman you think I am. So Tony, what, what you're saying is the scout wasn't born and just automatically knew his job and aced his responsibilities that he had to ask for help along the way? Of course, to grow. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's that's with anything, right? No, Nobody just goes into a role, especially when you're responsible for a home, for other human beings, and you're like, yeah, I got all the answers. I'm just perfect. And this is, you know, I, I have all the answers. No, that's not realistic. And what you're saying and uh, one of the questions in the back that's really good is it says, is the role of the scout natural or unnatural to you? You know, for us as a person, right? I think that's a great question that we could all ask ourselves. Melon, you were trying to jump in er earlier. That, that point around reaching out for help and asking for help. And whenever surveys are done, people find it very hard to ask for help. And we all love being asked to help others. And we really get a sense of contribution when we're the one who can help. But we all find it hard to ask. The scout, what is the scout if there's no wagon train? Like he's, on the, he's in the wilderness on his own. He's got no supplies. He's got no reason. He's looking after himself. He's, I got mine, or he's a jack man, as, you, as we'd say in the Australian military. <laughs> So the scout is going out and back and doing all this stuff. And he's the star of this particular chapter, but it's everything he cares about is in the wagon and he's getting replenished and resupplied. He's getting cared for. He's getting fed. He's all of those needs, not just physical, the spiritual, mental, emotional, all getting met every time he returns to the wagon. And there's that reconnect between the scout and the wagon that's occurring. And it's enabling him to go back out into the wilderness and pursue his mission which is to find that pathway for his family and his, his community. It's not just family, it's community. It could be a sporting group, a business. And so there's this two-way flow that's occurring between the scout and the wagon in all of this. And he, he's not on his own. 
it's not a one-off. And if he was on his own, probably he would be like a raider or a bandit or whatever in the, yeah, out in the woods. He'd be probably someone, you, a bad guy you need to avoid, Tony. You know, um, his why is what's pushing him forward. Because not every day's rainbows and sunshine and, you know, uh, uh, some days are going to be very, very difficult. And, you know, you have to, um, there was a great line, a great line that, that, that uh, I thought was very good. Jim Rohn, this ties into that. You can't hire other people to do your push-ups for you. <laughs> yeah. You know, you can't delegate that to others. You can only delegate to others based on your knowledge, right? Or your experience. So Scout, you know, he paid his dues. Uh, because if, if he wouldn't have paid his dues, I wouldn't think that the rest of the people in the wagon train would have allowed him to lead them. I mean, that's crazy, right? If, if a person's incompetent and you're allowing them to lead, you know, we can... Uh, we can talk about the political climate. We can do whatever we want. We can say, well, I can't believe half the country voted for, well, wait a minute. Whether you like the people, whether you don't, people voted for them. Millions of people voted, right? And um, Scout, ultimate responsibility are the people that are part of that wagon, or us with our families, right? And each, you know, and as all of you know, you know, a family's made up of, different personality types too, you know, and you have to be able to juggle all that. I mean, just because we're not uh, in fear of Indians or bandits out on the, you know, on the trail, we have enough of that stuff going on in our own lives, you know, that we have to really be on the lookout for, you know, uh, uh, and I think today without the communication part, I, you know, you can lose your kids to, you know, just all the temptations that are out there and everything's easily accessible. That's the thing. And the wagon, the, the, in the second chapter, that individual's um, qualities dovetail into uh, more so today, I think. You know, you need to be headstrong when it comes to all that stuff because you're going to have to make decisions that not just your kids or your family won't be comfortable with, Friends won't be, you know, they'll say, well, I don't agree with that. Well, you know what? We can agree to disagree. You know, uh, that's why you have you ever gone to Baskin Robbins? 31 yeah. flavors, man, 31 flavors, 30 of them. I wouldn't even give you a nickel for Right. Because I like what I like. Right. And that pertains to all aspects of when it comes to my family. This is how I believe, you know, are you going to change my uh, opinion on stuff uh, it's gonna be real hard because they're not really opinions they're like kind of set in stone it's not it's not a matter of even discussion you know some of the things you have that's how i think that's how convicted you need to be yeah and and that's good it, like that's a that's a good way to see it and that's a good way to try to like um you know try to hold your your constitution i guess make it a conviction not just an opinion but I, I want to read something because I, Stu Weber like minces no words with this. And he's basically underlining what Mellon and um, Tony Sr. just said. He says, the measure of a man is the spiritual and emotional health of his family. 
A real provider has a vision for a marriage that bonds deeply, for sons with character as strong as trees, and for daughters with confidence and deep inner beauty. Kind of like what Tony Sr. said, you know, if, you, if, a, if a young girl knows that dad loves her and God loves her, she doesn't have to find love in the back of a car seat, right? It just, but I just thought, man, that's like, he minces no words. Like he just says, hey man, your worth is what your family is, right? So it, it just, there's no way that, that is your responsibility. And he doesn't say anything about bank balance and he doesn't say anything about what sort of phone they've got, what sort of shoes they're wearing. I wrote that one down too, Raf. The measure of a man is the spiritual and emotional health of his family. And you can relate that to psychology, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I know most people are familiar with that pyramid. So if you're talking about spiritual and emotional health, you're talking about the top two, like the top end of that. And that means that those other things are met. The children are fed. There's a safe house. There, all those needs have been met. And you're now into the emotional and spiritual stuff. That means that father, that man has taken care of those other things. So don't tell me about bank balances and don't tell me about what sort of car you're driving. Let's, let's look at what's real and related to what Tony Senior talked about episode one, chapter one about the things that are real in life and that relationship piece, family and uh, friends and loved ones. And uh, that was such a, I love that one as well, Raf. I thought that was a beautiful quote. Yeah. I'd like to add on to that piece. I think that's beautiful. And, and again, talking about how can we relate as men, especially as people in the military, right? So whether you're um, a man or woman in the military, just realize the advantages that we have to fill these roles. Um, you know, when I think about it and relate it to myself, it's like, how can I be a better scout? You know, for the experiences I've had in the, in the service and everything, uh, I should be better prepared than the average person, right? So I, I've been through a lot, uh, world experience. I, I've gained discipline. I've been educated. I'm organized. I have leadership skills. And I, ha I have probably a big one is humility you know, admitting that I don't have all the right answers, that life is finite. And you know, Mellon brought that up in the last episode, but I have this experience that I've gained through military service. And I see a lot of men, especially, but, but women too, once they get out of the service, they feel like they're not part of something that they've just lost all of those skills in, in their household. And they're not, they, they lose the ability. They don't think, well, I'm not in uniform anymore. I'm not a scout. Or, hey, I'm not in uniform anymore. I can't run the wagon or run the house. And it's just like, no, you're way better prepared to do both jobs. You know, you're doing the same job, but you're doing it in the military. Like, think about, like, as a scout, a scout is a reconnaissance person, right? If you do reconnaissance and you're doing your job in the military, it translates to the scout of the house and of the family. And then the same thing, hey, you're protecting your fire base or your whatever overseas, that's your home. Somebody has to run it. Somebody has to take care of the children. Somebody has to take care of the soldiers. You know, there's so many correlations that I've written down on my paper here. It's, it's crazy, but it all correlates. And to think that we lose that at some point just because we don't wear cloth is, is kind of a, a silly thing to think about. So that, that, that's how this chapter related to me. And uh, I was like, wow, man, maybe I am better prepared. You know, I don't want to embrace it and run with it. Go ahead, Tony. You know, um, Listening to Mike just now, you know, um, really, uh, what's the right word, it makes my conviction even stronger to what I'm going to say. You know, many times what a person does for a living or for, you know, uh, they tend to become that, right? You know, 
a person in the military, that is what they did. That's not who they are, right? The qualities that uh, Mike just mentioned, that's the, the part, that's the heart of it, right? Um, you did it within a system. If you did it within a system successfully once, you can do it within a system successfully again. You know, um, and I, I think a lot of us get trapped into, well, you know, I used to be, I used to do this, but now I have to do X, Y, or Z, you know? Yeah, Paul. Are, what you've just said there is great. So there's like, having a system that's set up and perhaps then not having that, like leaving it being on your own or you're just a sole trader. You, you've never been in the military. We're all in the same boat. The thing about the scout is they need the vision part of provision. So they need to be looking ahead and having a goal, a really clear goal. And that is we're getting the wagons, we're getting the people across to that safe farmland, that partial land, whatever it is, wherever it is they're going, they've got a destination and the scout needs to know that and their whole day, their whole working day, or, you know, their working life is in service of that goal. Gordon Peterson talks about um, all the old stories that have been passed down for thousands of years about wishing on a star like Pinocchio or the three wise men following the star to find baby Jesus' birth, that the star signifies the highest goal that you can have. And it's getting your eyes above the horizon, above the day-to-day, and it's something that you can track and it's unchanging it doesn't drift with your feeling in a day that you're fed up with something or whatever. You can still come back to that goal and you can check if you're tracking. And in that piece around having a goal and having a vision, there's the root of the word sin comes from a Greek word, hromia, which means to miss your aim. And there's a thousand ways to miss your aim and there's only one way to hit it. And the first failure is to not have something to aim at. If you're throwing something blindly in the dark and you don't have a goal, that's where you see the people fall into sin. It's the easiest one, right? You're on the couch. You've got nothing to do. You don't have a reason. You've got not, you don't have a morning star. You don't have, I'm getting the wagon across the mountains to the prairie land. So that goal comes from chapter one. Like, What's it all for? What's, what are you doing? Why are you getting out of bed? And if you can spend time finding that and getting clear about that, that's what gives you the energy. That's, that's why the scout can get on their house, the horse every morning and have to do, you know, three, four, five times as much distance as everyone else in the wagon train. They're, they're scouting up. They're going left and right. They're coming back and forward all day. And that clarity of vision inside the provision, that's a real clear, it's a key part of it all. That's pretty profound, Melon. And I'm wondering if it's, if it came out of you because you're not wearing a wife beater. That, that, that's a legitimate <laughs> thought that I had in my head. I was like, holy hell, who is this guy? Well, I'll listen to a bit I'm of Jordan of, Peterson. You guys know. I'm proud Thanks, to be your buddy. friend right now. Thanks, buddy. There was another one. Okay, another one was the biblical story of Noah. Came to me when I was reading about the scout. So Noah saw ahead of what his community saw. He was able to see the signs and, you know, the the, the Bible, the story describes him as walking with God. And I've, I've read a breakdown of what that means in that sentence was that his life was in accordance with all of God's rules. So he was living the life of a good man. And the second part was that he was right across the generations. He had a strong relationship with grandparents, parents, brothers and sisters, children and grandchildren. And these two components of walking with God and having 
good relations across the generations allowed him to have the capacity. So he didn't have any churn or didn't have any of that white noise inside his family or inside his normal life. He was able to see the signs. He read the weather pattern. He saw what was coming before anyone else. He was seeing into the future. And he then was able to lay down and work for years to set aside and build the ark. And inside that story, there's something that's very true. That story has been passed down by people before we could write thousands of years. And it's very much a similar thing here that he's provisioning. He's seeing a reality occur ahead of time. He's seeing bad times coming. He's taking stock or he's seeing opportunities. That's a real key link, I think, from this chapter into a very old biblical story that we all know. That pops in my head. There's one word with that is the communication, right? Imagine being that scout and having that vision and having the knowledge of what is coming. How are you going to communicate it to your people in a way that they're going to, one, they're going to trust you, right? And how that in the story of Noah, man, how daunting to be like, hey, we have to build a boat and we have to put all this work into it and all this because this is what's coming. How many people were just like, you're crazy? Like, what are you talking about? That still applies even at the household level. You know, you, you have your scout out and he, he comes to you, you know, and I say he, it might even be a single parent. So let's, let's be honest. There, there are many people who are dual hatting it out there. You know, Melon, Melon's mom had to dual hat. My mom had to dual hat and be mom and dad. And that that's that's a reality. So imagine the conflict that they have as being the scout and the provider at home and driving the wagon. Um, but communication, that's what popped out to me. And being able to have clear, concise communication built on trust and action as well is so important. Uh, I, I can, you know, I can vouch for myself. I've, I've failed at that many times. Uh but I've, you know, I'm learning from it and I've learned from it and uh, I know that I need to be better. And that's why I, I have conversations with the three of you about, Hey, how do I get better at this? What's more important? Uh, I know I'm struggling in this uh, to Tony's point. So uh, communication, you know, that, that, that's what I took from that lesson right there. Go ahead, Tony. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful point to shout out to the single parents as well, who are doing both jobs. I really appreciate you saying that more. Yeah. Go ahead, Tony. You know, and, and um, just elaborating a little bit on that, you know, in, a, in, in today's dynamic, I, in a family unit, you know, you don't have to be able to, uh, let's see, you, no one's going to be able to effectively communicate with everyone, right? In a larger group, you need to find who the leaders are in that group and what again not the biggest the baddest or whatever the people that can communicate well within your group because they can communicate your message with you you know it's like um we get back to that pride thing you know um individuals uh it, it's it, it's not just getting help from individuals or uh friends or groups of friends, but organizations too, right? You know, because they can help you with whatever you're um, uh, going through and to get you, and to get yourself and your family back to a better place. 
it, it it all comes down to you know like 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 we've been talking about for the last few minutes the communication part that has to get strong and has to remain strong if nothing else because you know if go ahead raf i, I was just going to add what to what you and Mike were just talking about, and even Melon was alluding to this. Uh, for me, I think the most important, in order to be able to articulate, let me, actually, let me backtrack. I think that your ability to articulate whatever it is that you're trying to tell people isn't as big of an issue as having the level of trust already established between you and whoever it is you're, so for instance, you and I, we trust each other. We've been, I'm, I'm, right now I'm pointing and I'm referring to, to Mike. We've been in combat together. We've, you know, brothers in arms. We've been through a lot. I've shared a lot of my own personal stuff with you. You've done this as well. If you came up to me and said something that was completely outlandish or something that's off left field, I wouldn't doubt you because you've already earned my trust. You've already laid the foundation. So you don't have to find fancy words to be like, hey, Raph, you know, like what Tony Sr. said last time. He's like, you know, I've got a bag. I need to bury it. I'll, I'll spare you the details later. Like, I don't need the details. Just tell me, like, you've already earned my trust. So you don't, so I think that's important to, to kind of point that out is that, you know, in order to, to be that productive, that effective scout, that, that messenger, you have to lay down the foundation of trust. Cause if you don't do that, now you're going to, you're going to waste all this energy trying to like, ex, like convince the, the people or the person on why you're trying to, you know, share what you're trying to share. I, I think that's really important to, to, to bring that up. Well, no. you, have, you have to be careful of blind loyalty. You know, there, there's a lot of blind loyalty just because, oh, he's out in front. I'm going to follow him just because. And, you know, hey, it's the captain of the ship and he's too prideful. And guess what? The ship's going down, but he's not going to he's not concerning with saving everybody on the ship. He's concerned with his reputation as the captain. And I'll be damned if anything's going to go wrong. I'd rather everybody go down on the ship than me lose my pride. You know, same with the household. And it's just like, why was I even following this person in the first place? I didn't even trust him, you know, and well, guess what? It's too late, but go ahead. I was just going to say like, like in that, in that business space, like in a, you know, a work sense in the professional world, what you're both saying there, Mike and Raph, the importance of the CEO or the leader of the, the unit getting really clear about what the vision is, what the aim is, what the, where the wagon's trying to get to, what the mission is, what the sales objective, what the deployment is going to be, et cetera. So that, and if you don't have that trust, how many CEOs still try to communicate into a space where they haven't done the work? You know, they haven't, and that, that work can't be done. You, you can't skip over it. And I, I, I see failures in this repeatedly from people in leadership positions who are trying to gloss over and get, get past that breakdown that they've had and get into, no, 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 we want to get on with the other stuff. And people just, there's no ears to hear the message. It's such a great point around trust, Raph. Like the speed of trust, you know, there's that book. It's it it accelerates everything, or it just the wheels are spinning, you know, and the wagon will stay where it is. Do we want to look at any of the questions at the back here? I saw the one number three here was talking about the provision uh, in the seen versus the unseen world. You know, like the the world of the physical, the tangible, the financial. It's easy, I think, to see to have the results. And yet the unseen world that we've been talking about is that the, the engine room that's going to produce those visible results, I think. The one, the one, well, I think that's a great question, but the one I'd like to just maybe save some space and give a shout out to give everybody here a chance to, you know, to, 
kind of uh, name a person that they see as because you know Stu Weber uh, says that his pastor O H Williams was his scout, right? Like he's the guy that personified scout, and so I'm just curious to see who you guys pick as a person that personifies this individual that we're that we're referring to. Like I, you know. I, yeah, 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 in your personal lives. Yeah, absolutely. Like right now, I would say for me, it would absolutely be my father because I think about all the opposition that he had raising me and the fact that I'm not in prison. I mean, there's just, you know, there was things that he failed that emotionally. Like I said, that man's probably told me he's loved me once in his entire life, but I know that he does. I'm just saying it would have been nice to hear it. <laughs> mm. um, and then professionally, I would say Colonel Hines without a shadow of a doubt. That That's the man that I would you know, you talk about blind loyalty. That's the one man I would give blind loyalty to in, in, you know, in my profession, because he's honest to God, one of the, just a good, he's just a good man. And, you know, he's all about the troops. And there's, if you've been two minutes around that man, then you know what I'm talking about. And, uh, you know, if he, if that dude said, Hey, I need you to fly this thing into the heart of Syria, I'd be like, all right, man, I, I trust you, you know? So those are my two shout outs in that regard. How about you, Mellon? Tony Sr. Oh. oh, go ahead, Mellon. All right. Well, my, um, my dad as well, Raph, you know, he's, I think about him all the time, my parenting, especially, I think about how he disciplined and he was firm, but loving it was a very, it's a fine line as the fathers know. And as children, we all know, you know, whether your own parents have been able to have that line of the boundaries are clear and yet, it doesn't transition into being harsh that the children still feel loved and they know why the rules are there, you know? So that was my dad. And then I had um, brother Francis McCarthy, who was a Christian brother devoted his life to education. He taught in classrooms for 63 years. He taught young men who went to world war two and he taught me and he taught children, I think into the late, into the late two thousands and my son's named after him. And he was a Christian brother in charge of uh, rugby and he just was a, kind-hearted man of intellect who strove for excellence in all areas and somehow did it inside this paradigm of, uh, again, love. So that was uh, Brother Frank and my dad. I'd love to hear yours, um, Tony. Well, for me, um, there's a gentleman by the name of uh, Anthony Puglisi. Um, our families are as close as you could possibly get. You know, we're Godfathers to each other's children, you know, our wives have known each other longer than we've known each other. And I mean, we've gone on vacations probably, probably 20 times with this family. It's very difficult to go with anybody multiple times. And one, each time is better than the last. Always been like that. But um, Anthony is, uh, you can probably put his picture down for that to be the scout. I mean, uh, visionary, uh, an amazing uh, attention to detail to a, to a degree that, that I just shake my head a lot of times. Um, Business-wise, you know, he, um, he's responsible for a, a lot of the uh, building, especially with the medical centers in the area, not just Pittsburgh itself. Um, a leader, no doubt. So just a solid guy, you know. I we'll we'll, we'll do um, different activities together. Sometimes with a large amount of people, like 
uh, celebrations, like whenever the kids have stuff going on. And, um, you know, you, you everything from making certain that everyone is uh, as happy as they can be uh, and just just a top shelf human being. I mean, you know, if you were hanging off a cliff by a rope, this is the guy you'd want on the other end. I, you know, uh, just, um, and very, very fortunate to be able to have someone like that in my life. Very fortunate. You know, um, uh, that would be it. Mike? Anthony Piglisi sounds amazing. Go ahead, Mike. Oh, great guy. Well, after listening to you, you three, talk about it and the qualities I'm sitting here trying to think of one face and honestly I can't I can't think of just one uh I wholeheartedly can say the three of you uh, uh everybody in my circle so we're talking about Pat and Jimmy Boggs and all these guys I I, I want to make it a point because my mom said something to me you know I'm 33 almost all of my friends are in their mid-40s they all have families, they all have children. And when I look at my circle and the type of the type of men you all are, you guys define it to me. You all are successful and significant. You all have the desire to get better and want to get better. And I see you guys literally embody it all the time of asking for help. Uh, figuring out ways to get better education, furthering yourself professionally. How do I be a better father? How do I be a better husband? Uh, you guys don't have all the answers, but damn, do I admire you guys for all the work that you put in to be better in all aspects of your life. And if there was ever a point where any one of you was like, hey, what's up? My name's Raph. Hey, what's up? My name's Mel. And hey, what's up? My name's Tony. I will be your scout for today. No question. I will follow you. So uh, my circle is full of those people and I'm very lucky. I'm very blessed. I sent a text message the other day. I was on my way to work and I, I literally told everybody I've, I felt like I was an 11 out of 10 after having the conversation we had last week. And uh, that's honestly how I feel. I'm very blessed and very lucky to have my full circle full of amazing scouts that I trust completely. So that's a great answer, Mike. Uh, like I'll, 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 there's a, a piece here for people who, who perhaps are struggling to think of someone and you can choose the people you spend your time with, you know, like your time, we talk about spending it and not that's the only thing you've got that's in a finite amount, right? And we can, you can just spend tomorrow with the people you spent yesterday with. And if, if your life's not, if you're drifting and your life's not fulfilling or you're not moving, you're not progressing and growing, maybe have a look at the people that you are spending your time with and look around you look look for the people that you would you would trust that you would want out the front of your wagon train and start having time with those people men or women you know it doesn't matter young or old as mike's just referred to there i think there's something very powerful about you know you can judge a man by the company he keeps like we know that truism we know it we know it you know like you you're the sum of the five people you spend the most time with true also true and so you know people who are struggling maybe take the blinkers off and have a look around you and really think, look in your own life for these people that we all have. You've all been exposed to. Go ahead there, Tony. You know, um, uh, Jack Canfield has a great 
quote that pertains to what you just spoke of. You know, sometimes what we think we know gets in the way of, of what's possible. You know, we have these perceptions, right? I can't do this. I can't do that. I, you know, I'm not good enough. Well, we're always going to be our worst critic, right? And if, if you, uh, like to, to your point, uh, Paul, if you're not communicating with people that I need to, well, it, it's, it's not even I need to improve. It's I want to improve, you know, because um, sometimes people will just complain about whatever's going on and they really don't have the desire to change. They just want to tell you about it. Right. I mean, uh, I've had, I've had people do that. And then after a while, it's like, this is like the 10th time you told me this. What's going No, really? It's so true, Tony. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, and, and, and your perception, you know, uh, is affecting what your reality is a lot of times. Cause you'll just convince yourself that whatever um, needs improving doesn't, you know, that difference between being happy and being content, right? Everybody says, well, I'm not happy. Well, every time you're going to the, uh, every time you get ready to go on vacation, the day before you're happy, right? You're not so happy the last day of vacation, right? So what's the difference? You know, you, should you be content with where you are? I don't know. Should you? Only you can answer that, right? Well, I don't, I'm not happy, you know, they'll, they'll bitch and moan about, you know, complain about stuff, right? And then you, you sit there, if, if you really ask someone, you know, they're complaining about whatever, what's the reference point that you're, that you have in your mind, right? That you, that you would prefer but you're not about to risk anything that's going on right now, right? Like any, any, what's you know, any idiot can tell you the lake's full of alligators. How how do we get them out? Right? Explosives. I'm sorry. Well, (laughs) (laughs) lots and lots of explosives. (laughs) How do I fix this situation? That is good though. I just, like, I had the image. I literally had this, right. like I had Mike just snickering while he's like laying down the, the cord and just <laughs> the deck cord. <laughs> yeah, the deck cord. Well, I had a, I had a mate. Um, he's still a mate of mine, Bong Nelson. Shout out to Peter Bong Nelson, Air Force Cross, Gulf War One, uh, combat extraction of guys during a tank exchange where the tanks were shooting back from Saddam. Yeah, yeah, great, great man. And he uh, was an older guy when I was coming up through in the Air Force and there was a, a very senior E9 who was just a toxic, a very senior enlisted guy there, Tony. So yep. um, as high as you can get in the organization as an enlisted guy, senior flight engineer, leader. And he was just a very toxic guy. He, his personal life was no good. He had issues in the family. There was a lot of stuff going on. And he was just, he had the one cent, one exchange that he'd run everyone through, just the one cent, you know, like a freaking monologue. And he just would really was driving morale down. And he moaned and moaned and moaned. And Bong took him aside and said, look, you know, you, you've told me all that tale of woe. And you told me on Friday, today's Monday, 
my advice for you is the same today as it was on Friday. I've given you five things, five action points. If you don't take any of these, consider this conversation ended and never talk to me about this ever again. And if, I, if you don't take these action points, I never want to see you talking to a junior person to you about these points ever again either. This conversation is done. And you're like, bravo. Everyone was like, thank God. This senior dude just parachuted in with all of that credibility and trust like Raph was talking about and just, you're done. Stop the complaints. Don't make noise for the sake of noise. Stop pointing out the lakes full of alligators. You've been told how to get them out. That's it. And sure enough, that guy now owns a hostel out in the outback and he's not in the military anymore. Is this the toxic guy you're talking about or, or yeah. Bong? Yeah, he's gone. No, no, no. No, no, no. The toxic yeah. dude. Bong's still around. Bong's a legend. Yeah. Well, the name like Bong. Yeah. Shout right, out, buddy. Bong. I want to meet you. You know, Paul, to your point, um, having a person in your life that can be that man that said, that's it, right? How key is that? You know, you, it's like we almost have to give a person that we trust like that carte blanche to say, you know, well, you can call me out on stuff. And yeah. I would I'd venture to say there are very few people that have had the cojones to do that. Right. Either offer that to someone or you accepting it from someone. Say, wait a minute, so, you want, right? This sort of ties into your point from the, the previous chapter around the accountability holder, Tony. And it sounds to me like Anthony Puglisi has permission from you at any time, day or night, to call you out. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he's a very special person. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, you could hold a gun to his head. You know, so here's, go ahead. So here's one like who for us would we trust for us to put ourselves in the position of the, the wagon? Right. And who would we trust to be the scout to give us the, the feedback that right. we need? Like Tony talked about last time, the, with the leadership that we need to do something we don't want to do, you know? Yeah. I think that's an excellent slant to look at this, creating someone as a scout yourself. And it's a position of trust, like Raph's talking about, Mike. I like that vision because <clears throat> picture yourself in those days, the scout in the wagon in the middle of the wilderness and you're traveling, right? Are you going to have all the answers? No. All you have is the leader of the wagon and, and the scout. That's the two-way communication. That's all you have. So are you going to have all the answers to all the problems that you encounter? No. But then you come across the trail and you see somebody that's made it farther than you. Take every opportunity to stop. The scouts get together and talk. The wagon leaders get together and talk and go, hey, how'd you guys get here? What did you do better? Hey, how did, you know, when you guys got to this point, how did you guys get across the river? Hey, how did you get past this? Did you encounter that? How did you handle that? Oh, I never thought of it that way. Okay. Hey, do you have extra tools? Would you like to trade some ideas? Would you like to trade some things? Yeah. Okay. That makes the journey easier, more understanding. Hey, we're coming back from that. So when you guys get there, make sure you look at A, B, and C. That's going to help you out in your journey. If you don't take that opportunity to ask other people and learn uh, skills or, you know, whatever, you're, you're, you're just going into things blind when you don't have to, and you're hurting yourself, you're hurting the wagon and you're risking like what the risk versus the reward is so great. So why wouldn't you stop and ask, Hey, 
you're on this journey too. I'm not by myself. Well, this is pretty cool. Let's, let's figure out how to maybe do this together, you know, and that's how great relationships start. It's, and it grows from there, you know, and you know, that, that's what I kind of picture when you were talking about that, Melvin, that was really good. You need someone with massive trust, like Raf talked about to have that message come back and be able to receive it. Someone like Anthony Puglisi for you there, Tony, and other people that we, we all have in our circle to be like, right, I would take the feedback. If Raf sits me down, he's like, Melon, you need to do A, B, and C. You're making a mess to change words that I was going to say then. You know, and to be like, well, I really trust Raf. You know what I mean? And to be like, I've got to, I'm going to have to sort my stuff, my stuff out here. Tony? You know, and, and to your point, like you three guys, you three guys have, like uh, Liam Neeson would say, a particular set of skills, right? And not all of you have the same skills, okay? Now, um, as a team, the three of you would be as effective as 10 guys that maybe aren't in sync, right? That's, I think, where we, we get into the, whether it's the scout, whether it's the head of the family, this pride thing gets, you know, I'm going to do this my way. Well, mm. why not look at folks that have done it great? You don't need to be them. You just need to apply whatever skill set they may have that you don't and hone yours a little better, a little better. You know, it, it, because the, uh, when you try to do that, it gets uncomfortable, right? Like I, I'm, you know, I'm not particularly good at X, Y, and Z. All right. Well, I can't be as good as whoever, but I can be better than I am. Hey, how, how can I get, you know, can you help me? No question. People will help. Complete strangers will help you if you ask them. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to help. Everybody. I mean, I've never found one person that, like, that I've asked for help. Nah, can't do it or won't do it. You know, they may not be able to schedule wise, right? But very, you know, you just, I, I, maybe I have childlike faith, but I'm a firm believer in that. You know, and inside that, and inside that as well, Tony, is like the, you can get away from that pride part, that male stubbornness sometimes when you're like, I'm not competing with him. You know, I don't have to have the same skill set as this person. I don't have to be as good as them. I just have to be better than I was yesterday. You make it an internal thing rather than against anyone else. You know, we're all came into this world alone. We're going to go out of this world alone. You know, Mm -hmm. just be better than you were yesterday, Tony. Well, that's your biggest, I mean, the biggest enemy you're ever going to have is you. Between your two ears, dude. I mean, are you kidding me? Mike Tyson can't do as much damage to you as you do to yourself. Well, he might bite my ear off. I don't know. (laughs) But you've got two, so you're good. Here's the thing. You know, you can be in an abusive relationship and get the the hell beat out of you every single day, right? Those uh, wounds or bruises will heal in time, right? But all that negative stuff that, that that you do to yourself, that echoes forever, if you let it, forever. And it gets louder and louder and louder, you know. So just stay positive and, and uh, put all your acquired qualities into making it work for you and your family. 
Well, you just, I think we're at a, a beautiful point to, to press pause and uh, go away and read another chapter of the book and come back together again. I like that last point about the stuff between your ears can do more damage to you than Mike Tyson could. I like 100% true. All this self-harm and self-negative self-beliefs and stuff that we see manifest in our community and wider community, it's it's very apparent. So there's been some uh, some bombs out of chapter two here, provision, uh, seeing things before they actually manifest, provisioning, not providing, provisioning. So thinking body, mind, heart, and spirit, it's not just a financial thing. The measure of a man is the spiritual and emotional health of his family. The scout has to check in on the wagon. Is there anything worse than blindness? Oh yes, a person with sight and no vision from Helen Keller. The scout has the why and the why is pushing him forward. You can have other people do you can't have other people do your push-ups for you. I love that one. I love that one. <laughs> the scout continually reconnects with the wagon. How can I be a better scout? Use the skills you have. If you're coming out of the military, you've got a lot of stuff. Uh, if you're coming out of any anything that you've uh, done before has equipped you to deal with the future. Uh, and the qualities are at the heart of it. If you did it inside the system once, you can do it inside another system and communicate. How do you pass it on and how can you be trusted? Build on trust and action. And there was a special shout out there to the single parents who are providing both roles here, Scout and Wagon. All right. Anything to leave the listeners with for this episode, especially uh, Tony Senior? You're the one that everyone wants to hear from at the moment. You know, I, I just want to say... Uh, thank you to everyone uh, for listening. This has been just absolutely awesome. Um, God bless everybody. And thanks, uh, Paul, Raph, and Mike. Appreciate it. Well, you're a legend. So uh, out there, if you're getting some positivity out of this stuff, share it out into your community. Uh, send us a review or any questions. Certainly any questions you want to get through to Tony, you can send to either one of not your average Mike 77, not your average Raph or not your average Paul at gmail.com. Take care and we'll see you next week.